gone, everything will be right. Keep looking up, he may come tonight. He's coming soon. Sin will be gone, everything will be right. Keep looking up, he may come tonight. He's coming soon. Keep looking up, he may come tonight. Keep looking up, he may come tonight. Amen. All right. All right, this time I'm going to let the kids head on downstairs for junior church. Head on, go ahead and head on down if you like. And go ahead and take your Bibles and go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've got a lot of Scripture verses in this message today. And uh, you don't have to turn to all of them, but I've got them. The outline is on the back of the bulletin. If you kind of want to get a head start, that maybe it will help you. But um, there are some messages that as a pastor that you have to preach about sometime. And you don't really want to, but you have to because God told us to. It's in the Word. But this is one of those, this is not one of those messages today. This is one of the, this message is something that I enjoy talking about. I enjoy preaching. It's something that, to tell you the truth, it excites me quite a bit. I love studying it. Uh, the great thing about the Bible is, you know, you can study and study and study. And you can never learn it all. You just constantly learn new things. And uh, there's one thing I learned in this message about the rapture that I had never really noticed before something in the Bible. I'm going to share that with you. And there's a lot more Scriptures I could have given. But for sake of time, I just picked a couple of the more uh, well-known passages on this subject uh, with a few lesser-knowns I want to show you today. But the title of this message is called The Mystery of the Rapture. The word rapture, it's not that word. You cannot find it in the Bible. It's not there. It's a, it's a term that we came up with for an event that is yet to come. One that the Bible talks about a great deal. One that I'm, to tell you, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about this event. I'm looking forward to it. But I want to read a passage to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for this chance to preach this message. Lord, and I pray that uh, there, there may be some here that they've never heard about this before. And Lord, I pray that they'll uh, learn something today, Lord, that will be a help and encouragement to them. And dear God, I just pray that uh, if there's one here that's not saved, Lord, and they're not ready for this event, that they'll get ready today before it's too late. In Your name we pray. Amen. So first of all, right, we see in this passage, Paul said, I show you a mystery. Okay. Now, when he says, I show you a mystery... He doesn't leave them hanging, okay? When, if I was to say, I'm going to show you a mystery, okay? Or maybe when you watch a mystery movie, you'll watch that show, and then you'll see, you'll wait and see what happens. You'll, and you find out what happens. You'll see the outcome, and then after the movie's over, it's not a mystery anymore. But before, at the beginning, it is. And he said right now, he said, I'm going to show you a mystery. He shows them, uh, he tells them about an event. First of all, he tells them what the mystery is, and then he solves it for them. He tells them what's going to happen. And but uh, so in this, so the question is, what is the rapture? The word's not in the Bible, but yet it's talked about in the Bible. Well, first of all, the rapture—it's an escape from death. Now I don't know about you, but that gets my attention right there, because I'm not necessarily a big fan of dying. Okay, uh, it only happens one time, and if there's a way to avoid it. I would, I think I would want to take advantage of that. Now, this isn't a, so the mystery is not what the event is, okay? Paul tells us what it is right here, but there's still a mystery left that we'll get to at the end of this message. But it's an escape from death. It says here, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. What he's saying there, when he's talking about the sleeping there, he's talking about really the death of a saint, which we've talked about is really not death at all. We believe that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's going to come a day where that that body that you live in right now, if the Lord doesn't come soon, it's going to it's going to die. We all all our bodies they've got an expiration date on them, and some of them uh, we don't know when it's going to be. Some come sooner than others. Some will be a long time. But eventually, if the Lord doesn't return, we are all going to physically die. But for a saint, for a Christian. For somebody who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior, they don't really die because we know that we're going to just we're going to go on to heaven. We're going to be with Christ. Our soul never does die. But this is talk. But it says here that we're not all going to sleep. Not everybody is going to come to that point. But it says we shall all be changed. He said it's going to happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And he says when it's going to happen. He says it's going to happen at the last trump. Something similar happened like this once before. If you go back to uh, the book of Genesis, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis chapter 5, it briefly mentions a man whose name was Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch, all it really tells about him, it says he walked with God. And it says, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch, 
he never died. The Bible says God took him. Enoch was a special man. It doesn't say why in Genesis, but in Hebrews, we read about Enoch again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, and it said, because he walked with God. Enoch had this close relationship with God, and the Bible says that God just took him. He, he took him. I believe that Enoch is a picture for us of the, of the rapture. Enoch never died. Now, there's one other man in the Bible that never died. His name was Elijah. But we know that Elijah, God's going to bring him back later during the tribulation. He's one of these two prophets that come back and he's going to die then. But Enoch never died and he's never going to. And there's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return to claim His own. To come and get those ones who are saved. Those who know Christ as their Savior. And those people will never die. And we have a picture of that in Enoch back in Genesis and in Hebrews chapter 11. So also, the rapture is not just an escape from death, but what is happening there, it's a transformation into immortality. It says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. When God created us, He God created man as an immortal being. But when man sinned, when we read that story in the Bible where Adam and Eve they took and they ate of that fruit, the Bible says that they, they all of a sudden they became mortal beings. God said if they ate it, they would surely die. And sure enough, they did eventually die. They weren't supposed to. That wasn't the way God made them. But because of sin, they fell. And all of us today, we are corruptible. We are corrupt because of our sin. We are all sinners today. And we are all going, are physically are going to die. But there is coming a day where that's, something's going to happen. A transformation is going to take place. The Bible says it's going to happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. I believe the way the rapture is going to work personally is that one of these days God's going to He's going to blow that trumpet. It says at the last trump, a trumpet's going to sound. He's going to call the names of those who are saved, and immediately, I don't know how it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the power of God, but He is going to change us into a corruptible sinner into an incorruptible person like Him. The Bible says that we're going to be like Him someday. For we shall see Him as He is. And as you know, Jesus, there is no sin in Him. Jesus is, uh, He is an immortal being. And we're going to be, the Bible says that we're going to be like Him someday. There's other passages that I could show you on this. But it's a transformation and an immortality. Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8. You don't have to turn over there. I want to read it to you real quick. But it says, uh, I lost my spot. Here it is. Uh, he will swallow up death and victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of His people shall He take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. That verse right there is what Paul was referring to when he wrote that passage about death being swallowed up in victory. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to return and He is eventually going to do away with death. There's going to come a day in Revelation 21 where it says there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. One of these days, that's all going to go away. But also, so death, it's an, or the rapture is an escape from death. It's a transformation in immortality. 
A lot of times people think, I don't even know if I'd like heaven. Well, you know why? Because you're thinking in that sinful flesh that you have right now. But one of these days, God's going to change that. And you're not going to be that way anymore. And you're going to be different. We're going to be different someday. And I thank God for that. I thank God that I'm not, there's going to come a day where I won't have to deal with sin anymore. I won't have those temptations. And I won't have to fight the things that we have to fight now. But also, the rapture, it's a gathering. It's a gathering. So, the mystery is not what the event is. It's an escape from death. The mystery that Paul's talking about is not what is happening. Because uh, he tells us what's going to happen. The, or the mystery is not who's going to be raptured. The Bible tells us who that is. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Go ahead and turn over there. This is an exciting passage. This is one of the more well-known passages in the Bible about the rapture. But this is a great one. This, you'll hear this a lot of times at funerals, and it's a great, it's very appropriate, I believe. But First Thessalonians 4.13 says, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, a lot of times when we talk about ignorant, we use it as a, as a negative thing. But really, ignorant just means you don't know about that very thing. If I wanted, I could say all of you in here today, or most of you in here probably, are ignorant when it comes to you know my mother's maiden name. Okay? If you don't know what it is, then you are ignorant concerning that. Okay, It's not necessarily an insult. And God's not insulting us here, but He said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. We read that. We heard that word in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, don't be ignorant. I want you to know what's going on with these people. I want you to understand something. He says, because he said that we sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Did you know any time you go to a funeral, it's okay to sorrow a little bit. If somebody you love dies, I'm not going to think bad of you if we have if we have a funeral here and their casket's laying here and you come by and you see their body in there and you shed a tear, I'm not going to look at you and think, man, you're a terrible person. It's okay to sorrow. Okay? But Paul said here, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them, that person that's asleep. I don't want you to sorrow as others which have no hope. You know, many times people when they come to a funeral, they they sorrow like crazy because they think, I'm never going to see that person again. And what a horrible thought that would be. I can understand that being tough. But he said, don't sorrow as others. When you come by the casket, you see that loved one there who was saved and who knew Christ as their Savior. I want you to understand that you can sorrow, but it's not like other people because we have the hope. Because it says in verse 14, uh, lost my spot again. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. That trumpet's mentioned again. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. That person that's laying there, they're going to come. They're going to rise again one of these days. That while their soul is in heaven, that body, the Bible says, it's going to rise again. It says the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, we're still alive, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
Someday, right there, once again we see there are there is going to be a group of people who escape death. And then he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You know what? When we have, if we, I'm not looking forward to it, but the day we have a funeral here, we have one saved person is in this casket. I'll probably read this passage. Because the Bible says, comfort one another with these words. And I'm going to remind people that that person, while they lay there in a coffin, and while we're going to take them out to a cemetery and we're going to bury them under the ground, the Bible says that God's going to raise them up one of these days. They're going to rise to the dead. And we which are alive and remain, if that day comes before we die, we're going to be caught up with them, the Bible says, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to comfort you with those words because I believe it. It's true, there is coming a day when God is going to gather His people. He's going to bring them back. And we're going to ever be with the Lord, the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15.52 says, it's going to happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, it says, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we, those who are alive still, and we shall be changed. Thank God for that verse. Thank God for that promise. Thank God for that gathering. An attempt at something. I had never noticed this before. I looked at that verse and I noticed how it said at the last trump. At the last trump. Okay? And I thought, what's the first trump? What was the first one? Now, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know that this here necessarily is the first trump that we're going to read about. But there's a, a principle that people use a lot of times when studying a verse. It's called the principle of first mention. Whenever you want to study a subject in the Bible on a word or something, if you go back and you look at the first time that word is mentioned in the Bible, a lot of times God will show you something there that just kind of makes sense of everything else. And so I went and I looked up the first time that a trumpet is mentioned in the Bible. And you can read that in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. I want to read this verse to you because this was... This is I thought this was very interesting. But God, He's just brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They've been in captivity for a long time. He's they've already gone across the Red Sea. They're, they now are away from Pharaoh. He's no longer chasing them. Pharaoh and his army, they're dead. They're over and they're around the mountain of Sinai. It was known as a holy mountain. And God told Moses. He said, I don't want the people to come to the mountain. Verse 13 says, There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man. It shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mountain. God said, I don't want anybody trying to come to this mountain right now. Don't. He said, don't let them. Anybody does, man or beast, kill them. Do not let anybody on this mountain. God was going to be there on that mountain. Okay? And God, remember, God's a holy God. God cannot be around sin. That's why it was a miracle, an amazing thing when Jesus Christ, when we read about Him on the cross, and the Bible says there was darkness over the face of the earth. You know why it was like that? All of a sudden, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, He became sin for us. And God had to turn His back. God couldn't even look at it. It was our sin. It's it's so bad. And God's going to show up on this mountain. And God said nobody is allowed to go anywhere near it. If they touch it, they're going to be in trouble. And so it says 
In verse 14, And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. So he, so Moses, he's like, alright, i got to get these people ready to meet God. i got to get these people ready so they can go because God's going to show up on Mount Sinai and i got to get them ready. So he has them all go and they all take a bath. They all clean themselves up. They wash their clothes. They weren't even allowed to go at their wives, the Bible says. And they, God, or Moses is trying to purify these people. And listen to what it says. This is interesting. It says, "...and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud upon the mountain." They had to have that thick cloud there because if the people would have seen God, it would have killed them. And it says, "...and a voice, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount." And Mount Sinai was all together on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly. Let me tell you, when God shows up somewhere, it's going to have an impact. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount. And Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. God shows up. And the Bible says that He blows a trumpet. I don't know this for sure, but I believe that God was wanting to gather the children of Israel. God was wanting to gather them. God was looking for people. God had a chosen people. It was the Jewish people. It was the children of Israel. That's who God wanted to gather and he blows that trumpet and the people are hearing it and it's loud, it's exceeding loud. They didn't they couldn't even stand to hear it. And we see here that when these people come to the mountain, God doesn't allow them to come up. God only allows Moses to come up. And it was right after this time, in Exodus chapter twenty, where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you realize what's happened here, but God is wanting he's wanting to gather a people together. But God looked at those children of Israel, and boy, they did their best, man. They went and they took their baths, they washed their clothes, they behaved themselves that day, they did everything they could. They probably even said some prayers. But you know what? God looked at them, and they were still unclean. They were still dirty. They were still sinners. They could not come to God. And so God does something here. God gives the law. God gives the law. God gives the books of most of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the law, the holy law of God He gives them that man has to keep in order to be righteous, in order to make it to heaven. But of course we know nobody was ever able to keep that law except for Jesus Christ. God gave them that law to show these people they were a sinner. God could have just right then said, you know what, I reject these people. They're sinners. But the truth is, while they were sinners, they were probably the best in the world at that time. But they were still unclean. And God says, God, instead of God just rejecting, God went and He decided, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them while they're unclean. And He gave them the law. And when we read the Bible, it's very clear that we are all sinners. And there is just nothing we can do to earn heaven on our own. There's nothing that we can do. 
But then we read, thank God we read about the New Testament, how Jesus came to earth and Jesus fulfilled all of that law for us. And Jesus paid our sin debt on the cross and some, and the Bible says that we've been washed in His blood and we've been cleansed by His blood and someday He's going to come and that trumpet's going to blow again. The last trumpet's going to blow and this time, this time there's going to be nothing stopping us. We are going to be caught up. We are going to be with God. Not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. What's happening here in the rapture also, it's not just an escape from death. It's not just a transformation into immortality. It's not just a gathering, but it also, it's the completion of our salvation. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14. It says in it, knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the work works of darkness and let us be uh, put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Right here what we see says our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Now listen, I believe when a person gets saved, I believe they're saved. I believe they stay saved. But at the same time, our salvation is not complete. Because I don't know if you all realize this, but even after you get saved, you're still a sinner, aren't you? Has anybody since they got saved never sinned again? Has anybody since you got saved, you, you've conquered it all, man? You just, you're perfect now? I don't know about you, but that hasn't happened to me yet. But the Bible says that he was gonna, Jesus is going to save us from our sins. And the truth is, that went, that while we're still on this earth, we still, we're gonna struggle with the flesh. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we're supposed to do our best. We're supposed to try to avoid all the sin we can, and we're supposed to try to live holy and righteously in this world. We do our best, but at the same time, it's not all done yet. While we're saved and we're, it's, we're secured. Cause listen, we're saved today by His Word. If God says something is going to happen, it's going to happen. Okay. Now, just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's questionable. doesn't mean that it's up in the air. doesn't mean it can change. It just means it hasn't happened yet. If God says something is going to happen, it's going to happen. And when you... The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does that mean when you call on the Lord, you're perfect? No. But when you called on Him and you prayed and you asked Him to save you, He did something to you that day that sealed you and that secured you and it was His Word. And and when that day comes, when you die or when the rapture comes, you're going to go to heaven. And you are guaranteed of that because of His Word. But in the meantime, we've got to wait for that part to be complete. In the meantime, we've got to try to do our best to, to try to avoid sin so we can have a better life and so we can be a good witness and so we can be a good testimony. You know, it's sad today how many people today they don't want to get saved and they don't want to go to church and, that, and they will blame other people. They'll look at other people and they'll say, well, if that person's a Christian, then oh, there, there's this... I don't want to have nothing to do with it. That's it's obviously not real. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, listen. If somebody's saved, they ought to do right. They ought to be good people. They shouldn't, you know, smoke, cuss, and all that stuff. They shouldn't do those things. But you know what? They're still going to be a sinner. 
And they're still going to have a struggle. And we're not depending on the righteousness of other people. We're depending on the righteousness of Christ. I wish I, I, I want to do right. I want to do my best. I hope I never let you people down, but it's probably going to happen. I'm going to fail. I'm going to do some things that are wrong, but I hope, but I'm here to tell you today that I'm not going to heaven because of anything good that I do. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ and what He did. I called on Him and I asked Him to save me. And I believe that He saved my soul and that I'm secure, but it's not all done yet. I'm still a sinner. I'm doing my best, but I'm still a sinner. But someday, God's going to change all that. The Bible says that we shall all be changed. Someday, I'm going to be like, someday I'm going to be like Christ. Someday, I'm not going to struggle with sin anymore. There's going to come a day where I'll, I'm going to, I'll quit failing. I'll quit messing up. That day is going to come. It's not today, but it's going to come. One of these days, it's going to happen. So it's a completion of our salvation. But here's the thing. There is a mystery about the rapture. And that's simply when it is. I can't tell you when the rapture is going to be. I can't. The Bible says uh, in Mark chapter 13, I want to read a passage to you. Mark chapter 13. Anybody know who Harold Camping is? Harold Camping. Anybody know who Harold Camping is? Uh, he was in the news quite a bit lately. He predicted the end of the world was going to come back in, back in the summer or whatever. And boy, he had all these people excited and you know selling everything. And I mean, it was going to happen. People would ask him, well, "What if it doesn't?" Well, it's stupid to even talk about that because it's just going to happen. You know, I haven't even really thought about what if it doesn't. And then it didn't happen. And then so he said, "Oh, we miscalculated. It's going to be in October." And we just we just had that date whenever it was, and it didn't happen again. And he said he's done making predictions. I'm thankful for that because he makes a lot of Christians look bad. But you know what? I understand. I want to set dates. I, mean, I wish we knew when the coming of Christ was going to be. That would be exciting to know. But here's the thing. It says in the Bible, Mark 13 verse 32, "But of that day and that hour knoweth no man." No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Jesus said, I don't even know when that day is going to be. I don't know. Nobody knows. The angels in heaven don't even know. So my question is, why did Harold Camping even think he could know? Why would God tell us something He didn't even tell Jesus? But people still try to set dates. And you know what? People will keep doing it. They're going to do it. You know, and I'm all for guessing and just having fun with it and things like that. But the truth is, nobody knows when the coming of Christ is going to be. We don't know when it's going to happen. That's the mystery. It could happen any time. Paul, when you read some of Paul's writings, I think Paul thought it was going to happen back then. I believe. Uh, I think it was John. He said, "Even so, Lord, come." John knew about it. John was anxious for it. John hoped it was going to happen in his day. But it didn't happen in their day. There have been many preachers in the past who have preached about this event and they hoped it was in their day. They wanted it to be in their day, but it wasn't. We don't know what it's going to be. And Jesus in this parable, after He says, no man knows. I don't think this verse is in Harold Camping's Bible. But it's in the true Bible. It says, nobody knows. And then in verse 33, it says, take ye heed, watch and pray. For you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants 
and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. He says, he gives a parable. He said, God's like a man, he goes on a journey. It would be like me if I went, I said, listen, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to be gone. I don't know how long I'm going to be gone. But while I'm gone, I'm going to let you have my house. And I want you to take care of it. And I leave you some instructions. I said, you know, just, I give you some instructions. You know, keep the grass mowed, keep the house clean. Don't do anything I wouldn't do in it. You know, I, I give you some rules. Okay? God's done that with us. He said, listen, he, he told us that. He said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come again. He said, I'm going to come again. And he's given us some instructions in his word and what we're supposed to do. And, he, and so he said, I'm, I'm like that. And so he tells him, he said, I com- he commands the porter to watch. He tells him, you need to watch for me. In other words, he's telling him, I want you to be ready when I come back. When I come back, you need to be doing the things I told you to do. That is, This is very important. You need to be doing the things I told you to do. And so it says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. So you don't know when it's going to be. It could be any time. And it said, Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Don't let that happen. When Jesus Christ comes, I want to be doing the things that God has commanded me to do. I want to be about my Father's business. I want to be faithful to follow the commands and follow the things that He has told me to do, the instructions that He has given me. I want to be following those things. And He said, and, he said, and what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. We're always supposed to be watching. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with looking forward to the coming of Christ. Today we sang three, all our songs today were about the coming of Christ. I like singing about it. I like the song I'll Fly Away. I like thinking about it. I like reading about it. I enjoyed studying for this message. I enjoyed singing that song with my kids about Him coming soon. You know why? Because I look forward to that. And you know what? I'm watching for it. I'm watching for it. I'm trying to be ready for it, and one of the things. So, and there's a lot of things we could talk about that we could do to prepare for that day. One thing you can do is you can make sure that you know that you're on your way to heaven. Make sure that you know that you're saved. Make sure you can look back and say, "There's a time. There was a time in my life when I realized I was a sinner and I truly called on Christ for forgiveness, and I asked Him to be my Savior." If you've done that, you're ready. You're partially you're ready. You're, but also, he said, I want you to keep your... There's another passage where he talks about keeping our garments clean. We don't want to be living in sin when Jesus Christ comes back. How would you like it if maybe I had given you that command and I told you, I said, you need to take care of things. I want you to keep the house clean and all that. But you know, you're like, ah, you know, he's been gone for a long time. I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. And so, you know, you start letting the yard grow over, you start letting things get messy, thinking, ah, I'll take care of it before he gets back. You don't know when it's going to be, but you'll take care of it before he gets back. And then all of a sudden, I come back when you weren't expecting it. I come walking in the house and you're there sleeping on the couch. Food everywhere. The house is trash. It smells bad. The yard's a wreck. What do you think is going to happen? I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be mad. And a lot of people are living that way. They know they're saved, but it's like, okay, I'm saved. I'm good. And they've totally just neglected the house that God has given us. Our body, the Bible says, is the temple of the living God. 
We're supposed to glorify God and our body. We need to do whatever we can to be ready. We need to be living. If think about it, if you knew when Christ was going to return, if you, I guarantee you, if the whole world knew Jesus was coming back today, everybody would be at church today. You know why? Because they want to be doing what they're supposed to be doing when He comes. But a lot of people think, ah, I, I can wait. I don't need to worry about it right now. He's not coming anytime soon. Well, you don't know that. He might not be. But He might be. We don't know. We're always supposed to be living like He could come that day. And also another thing we can do to be ready is make sure those that we love and care about are ready. I don't know about you, but when I, when I go, when the rapture comes, I want my family to be, I want my family to get caught up too. I want, I want them to be saved. And listen, now everybody's responsible for themselves, but you know what? We can sure be praying for people. Be praying for our loved ones. Be a, be a witness. I'm telling you that you have, you have no idea. We need to try to get everybody we can ready for that day. Being busy doing the work of God. and Because and that day, it, it could come. It could come. It could be today. It could be before you get home today. That last trump could sound. We don't know what it's going to be. We've talked about it for so long, for so many years. I believe many people today have just decided it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But you know what? Think about it. Look at it. my dad used. I'm going to steal an illustration that he always used. He believed there's going to probably be a lot of people that the day they decide to quit is the day the Lord comes back. And the illustration he uses is it'd be like if you were out digging for a buried treasure, and you're digging and digging, and you got a map and it tells you the spot, and you dig in that spot, and you dig and you dig deep, and then finally you just get tired of digging. You're like, you know what? I don't think it's here. And you give up. You climb up out of the hole. You walk away. And then all of a sudden, somebody else comes along and they stick the shovel in one time, and they hit that treasure. A lot of people, that's probably going to happen to them. They're going to give up the day he comes back. What if, what if he, what if he comes back tomorrow? I can't give up today. If he come, if he came back tomorrow, man, what a waste that would have been. God wants us to be ready. We need to be preparing for that day. He's coming soon. We don't know when it's going to be, but I hope you all are ready. So let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to take a few minutes to.